0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
0: Hello, my name is Sir Agha and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today we ask, with cases of dementia among former rugby players continuing to rise, what does the future of the sport actually look like?
1: I've got good memories of growing up and holidays and things like that, but I would say 80-90% of my playing career actual specifics of playing in games, stadiums. You speak to some boys, they remember the weather, the score, who scored. I've got no recollection of lots, lots of my playing career. The
2: Welsh Scrum superior, Alex Popham, this time will score the try.
0: Alex Popham is a former rugby international who won 33 caps for Wales during his career. Last year, at the age of just 40, Alex was diagnosed with early-onset dementia and probable CTE, a brain injury caused by repeated blows to the head.
1: I was worried that I was losing my memory, but my neuropsychologist, who I see every couple of weeks, described it, that my brain was so inflamed because of the contact I was doing during training and playing. It never had time to to recover. So I was taking photos of... uh, or movies of uh, of the games and 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 should be storing the memories, but because of the information in my brain, I didn't have a film and it wasn't recording mm-hmm. and being memories for for myself. So I know I played for certain teams. I know how long I played at certain teams, but memories of my of my playing career uh, are not there, really.
0: Alex now joins a long list of former professional players who are taking legal action against the main governing bodies in rugby for what they say is their failure to protect players from concussion and serious head injuries.
2: There's no avoiding it. It's head on head. Rugby is a contact sport. But even those who love it now see it has to change to prevent new generations of players suffering potentially catastrophic head injuries.
0: The lawyer leading these high-class actions has warned that rugby is facing a dementia epidemic unless the game is seriously reformed. And players, just like Alex, say it's time to speak out. If one
1: player has to give up at 24 because he's got a slight damage to the brain, but it's not going to be long-term... I've got no problem whatsoever looking him in the eyes and saying, mate, trust me, you're saving yourself a whole lot more pain.
0: So how will this epidemic of brain injuries threaten the future of the game? And what are the likes of World Rugby and the Rugby Football Union doing about all this? Alex, you retired from professional rugby in 2011, but when did you first start to notice that things didn't feel quite right or that something felt off?
1: It was most probably two years ago that I started noticing things, uh, mixing up words, losing my trail of thoughts, a short temper over things that really didn't, wouldn't bother me in the past. And I was just putting it down to to stress with work and everyday life. But then and my wife was trying to get me to, to go to the doctors. Mal was trying to make me go. And I, I was just like trying to put it off. And then I went on a bike ride that I've done close to 100 times from my house. And I got lost on this bike ride. Yeah, was quite shook up when I got back. And then the following day, I uh, went to the, to the doctors. That was September 2019. And then it was about six, nine months of different testing. And then I got my diagnosis in April, 2020, over Zoom because of COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to talk to you actually about that diagnosis. But in the months between when you first went to the GP and you got your answer, um, what was that period like? What kind of tests were you doing, and, and how did you feel during that time?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I'm not very good at not knowing things, and mm. uh, yeah, it, it was all just playing mind games with yourself, really, of what will they find? We didn't know if it tumours or we just didn't know. So that for me was, was hard. And when we got the diagnosis in, in a strange way, it gave us some answers of why certain things we, we were struggling with or I was struggling with. Um, mm. And when you've got the, the images of the, the, the brain scans with the, with the damage showing, it's in black and white and gave me some answers to why things were happening.
0: Can you, Alex, talk me through that day, getting that Zoom call and how you felt when you got the news and where you were when you got it?
1: Well, we were in the front lounge. My my two elder daughters, Holly and Isabel, were were in school. Darcy was in nursery and it was just Mel and I sat on the couch with the laptop uh, talking to the the specialist. And he said, I'm afraid at the beginning it's not good news and Mel and I just held hands and yeah it was a bit of a blur if if I'm honest and we both felt pretty funny after the call ended then we gave each other a hug then it was how do we tell Holly and Isabel uh, that their dads had this diagnosis and that's when we we soon realized there was nothing most probably the worst thing to do google it uh, but we did, and there was nothing out there to, to help us. At that time, we were introduced to an amazing woman called Dr. Judith Gates, whose husband, Bill Gates, played for Middlesbrough. And Judith uh, coached us and talked us through how to tell Holly and Isabel. But that's when we started conversations with Judith and, and came up with the idea over the following three weeks that we should set up a foundation to be able to support players and families who are also going through this because we soon realised it wasn't just me and there were lots of other uh, ex-players in similar situations
0: As well as setting up the foundation to support players and their families, Alex has also joined a landmark legal case against governing bodies in
2: rugby. They're seeking not just compensation for their future care needs and loss of earnings, but changes to the sport like limiting contact in training sessions and regular brain scans for professionals.
0: Irish Times sports writer Johnny Watterson has been covering this story since it broke last year. Johnny... Can you give us a bit of background on the lawsuit, who's involved and what types of claims are being made?
2: Yes, Sirka, this this legal action broke about a year ago in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure they were working on it long before that. But a company was set up in London and at that stage they had contacted, I think, over 70 players. The case was about concussion these players suffered while they were playing rugby. The company was set up by a man called Richard Boardman, who's a solicitor. And he's also a director of the company, which is called Ryland Legal. And they basically wrote to players and asked them if they'd suffered from concussion, what were their symptoms. And they gathered them together in what I suppose in America you'd call it a class action based on their symptoms and what happened to them while they were professional rugby players.
0: And how have the rugby governing bodies responded to this action?
2: Well, legally, they've said nothing. Um, because it's in train mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't. They hope it'll get to the high court in London, although this is coming after a similar type action happened in the US back in 2013. I think it was um, at the time that case, which was dealing with National Football League players, NFL, American footballers. Mm. There were over 7000 individuals in a huge class action. Oh, my God. Which was settled out of court, actually. Uh, they settled for almost $800 million. My God. So this is rugby coming after what the NFL players did about a decade ago.
0: Do we know what the Irish involvement is at this point and if the IRFU will be facing potentially a legal battle down the line?
2: Yeah, when I rang up Rylands last year, they wouldn't tell me the names of the Irish players. Mm. Which is fair enough. They don't suddenly splurge out the names of people. I was told there were about 10 that they'd invited to take part. They didn't say how they responded. We haven't heard anything from the RFU. But I I imagine, Circa, that I believe there's about 150 names in that group now from the UK and Wales. and, And there's a lot of Irish rugby players. I would be surprised if there aren't any Irish names among them. Although at this point, we don't know if there are or not.
0: And can I ask you a bit about the type of symptoms and illnesses that these former players who are taking this class action are experiencing and have experienced over recent years?
2: Certainly the guys who are involved in this group action have been talking about it. Most of them would suffer irregular traumatic brain injuries, which is what concussion is. Severe headaches, slurred speech, numbness, issues with coordination, uh, depression Steve Thompson who played in a World Cup final in two thousand and three for England. You can't remember anything of winning the World Cup.
1: I can't even remember being in Australia and I'm watching the games and I'm just thinking, it's as if I'm watching the England team now. Yeah, you know, I'm on the pitch, but I cannot remember being there at all.
2: These early onset, sort of age related diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and CTE, these are diseases which are caused by repetitive hits to the head Mm. and brain damage that takes place over time.
0: Alex, how has your life changed since you got your diagnosis? I mean, how is this affecting your day-to-day life?
1: Made me a lot more organised. I live from my diary that everything uh, needs to be in there. I most probably do about three and a half hours of different therapies a day. I'm eating a lot. I've always eaten healthy, but I'm, I'm on the Mediterranean diet 95% of the time. So, and I'm exercising. I've signed up to do Ironman. Why I use a diary is I was forgetting meetings, calls and, and things like that. I was trying to fit too much into my life. I don't try to cram everything in. I've got time for my different therapies, my training, and then have uh, calls either side of that, really. But try to put me first and get those done, it seems to, to be working and helping me. Can Wales catalyze Popham, who has not stopped running? That blonde shock
0: of hair. You've spoken in previous interviews about how your doctor estimates that you've actually had 100,000 sub-concussions throughout your career. And back when you were playing, what was the procedure when you were hit on the head or you got a heavy impact? Was there an underlying pressure, let's say, to prove that you were strong, maybe a certain machismo that you could keep going under any circumstances? It,
1: it just wasn't talked about. The only thing I can remember... Was, after a head knock the following week, do you feel sick? And if you didn't feel sick, you were were back in training. The mentality was, you're not dead, get back in the defensive line, you're letting your teammates down. So I only found out, I thought a concussion was where you were knocked out cold. It was only after my diagnosis that I was told that 90% of concussions are where you're not knocked out. So when I was seeing stars Every other day in contact sessions and during games and even during the warm up, they are concussions. That each one of those is causing a little bit of damage. And all all you would do is have some sniffing salts and a splash of water on your face and and carry on. We weren't educated. We weren't told of the uh, what a concussion was, uh, and that, that that's the biggest thing that should have definitely happened.
0: And as you say, you weren't told what was going on. But were you ever worried in the back of your mind when you were? playing professionally about this beating that your entire body was getting or was it just part and parcel of the job?
1: You you knew your body would be sore after rugby growing up being in uh, rugby clubs and seeing ex-players with sore knees, backs, arms, things like that. That was part and parcel of rugby but you never knew or spoke to anybody with regards to dementia and, and struggling with, with head impacts from Uh, in in retirement it just it just wasn't talked about and that needs to change I know things have got better there are more things that can can be changed Um, and education from grassroots from mums and dads coaches all the way up to elite level you've got you've got to respect a a head impact Mm -hmm. and take it seriously and give it the same time that a hamstring takes to recover Because if you go back too soon, that's where the damage is caused.
0: Coming up, can rugby survive as a sport if many players continue to suffer such long term and life changing injuries? Ready to pop the question? Johnny, can you tell me what has changed in the sport over recent years to try and mitigate this risk?
2: On the pitch, they've made adjustments. They've stopped the players from contact between matches at training sessions. If you go back 20 years, they used to have full contact training sessions and there'd be injuries picked up at that because the players would be competing to get on the pitch to play at the weekend. And that has stopped. So that's gone down to 15 minutes a week, full contact. 40 minutes controlled collisions. So really what they're trying to do is reduce the number of collisions that the players incur. If you do get concussed, there are protocols that slow down the process of you coming back to play. You know, two weeks rest. If you're a professional, again, constant monitoring all the time until you show no symptoms. I suppose it's the awareness has increased and the detail of what they go into to try and find out if you have a brain injury. The baseline problem is that rugby is a collision game. Of course. And you can't take collisions out of rugby. And they're very aware that the nature of rugby is a collision game. And if they do take the collisions out of rugby, it won't be rugby anymore. So that's that's the overriding problem.
0: Uh, Johnny, do you think that's enough? Do you think enough is being done?
2: I don't think enough has been done, no. The bottom line is... They have a set of rules that send players back on the pitch and they could have a brain injury going back on the pitch. There is no test you can do in 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or an hour that can tell you a player does not have a brain injury mm. and you're still putting them back on the pitch. I would like to see players come off and not go back on ever, not ever, but not in that match. Yeah. So I'd like to see players come off and not being put back on in the same match. I think that would be an improvement. But rugby is concerned that they lose the essence of the sport. That's their main concern. They're also concerned that it's a franchise. It's a business. It's a big business. Mm. And they have to provide players to play at a high level and maintain that essence of rugby, which is a high collision sport. And they don't want to lose that.
0: And we are seeing younger players retiring earlier due to these concussions. Do you think that's set to continue in the years to come?
2: I think so, yeah. Mm. I think they will retire earlier because they're more aware of what's going on. You've had a whole raft of Irish players retiring and th- those guys have been in their mid-twenties Yeah, around that age. You know, John Fogarty, Dominic Ryan, Bernard Jackman was older, Ben Marshall, Leinster player. I think he was in his mid-twenties. You've guys who are just aware of their bodies aware of the symptoms you know that if they're getting headaches if they can't stand the light if they notice their speech is slurred somewhat if their coordination is off they're just calling it there and then and they're getting out so i think you will see it because just people are more aware and in fairness to rugby they've made people more aware and a lot of their programs is based on being aware what those symptoms are and to act on them and not pretend they don't exist
0: Alex, you mentioned earlier about setting up the Head for Change charity, but you're also behind the lobbying group Progressive Rugby. Can you tell me how these two initiatives came about and what are their main goals?
1: So Head for Change came about and, and joining forces with football because after my diagnosis, we soon realised there was nothing out there um, to, to be able to help players and their families. And that's why we joined forces with Judith Gates and football and try to to build something that can support the players and and their families. And there's three key areas for Head for Change, and that's support for the players and their families, uh, research and uh, education across all all levels. And we're only a very young charity or foundation, uh, but we want to be there as much as possible and and support people going forward. Um, The lobby group, Progressive Rugby, uh, that was my my idea. I wanted to have every stakeholder in the game come together who could have had their expertise uh, and passion for rugby and try and make it a safer env- environment uh, for everybody involved. We have had conversations with World Rugby. Uh, I don't think the changes are happening quick enough. We have asked for to limit the amount of contact players do in training Um, like the NFL did 11 years ago, but they've only put guidelines out there at the moment and haven't made it mandatory. These need to be made mandatory uh, for clubs. Like I said, they've done in the NFL. Clubs have got fined when they've gone over the allowed amount of contact because every player knows when the pressure comes on in a club and you lose two or three matches on the bounce, Coaches aren't going to stick to those 15 minutes of contact per week. But it needs to happen. And it's the same for every team across, across the board. The return mm. to play is six steps that coincidentally fits into, uh, into a week that your star player gets knocked out on a Saturday and can play the following Saturday. There's no scientific evidence that says that player's brain has recovered. The research out there is 30 days that a player's brain recovers minimum. They need to stick to that, but players need to to be looked after and the brain have the the same respect as as a hamstring or a shoulder, if not more.
0: And looking towards the future, what do you think the sport of rugby would look like if the recommendations of progressive rugby were taken on board and it became a much safer game for players? What kind of sport would it be?
1: I think it would be a more enjoyable game to watch, more faster flowing, uh, more tries, which everybody wants to see. You would have, and this has happened in the NFL, the squads would be larger uh, as in players fit because they wouldn't have the injuries during the week because a lot of concussions and other injuries happen during the week because of the contact. Uh, Players' careers would be longer Mm. because not picking up those bumps. All this data is there in American football. I'm sure it'd be mirrored in rugby. Um, yeah, I want it to to carry on and, and last because it, it is an amazing sport, the friendships, the values you get from rugby. Uh, and I want that to continue. It's only a very small part that needs to change.
0: Knowing what we do know now about the serious impact these blows can have on the brain, can rugby in its current form continue?
2: It can, Yeah. Because, well, NFL did. Yeah. You know, it's still going strong. It will continue. It's a business where they acknowledge there are risk factors. They don't shy away from the fact that it it can be dangerous if, if it's played incorrectly. They know the tackle area is a dangerous area. They know the breakdown is a dangerous area. They keep trying to tinker at the rules to make those areas a little bit safer. But you can't take rugby out of rugby. And if you do take rugby out of rugby, it's not rugby. And they're aware of that. And also people like to see collisions. It's televisual. They love to see a big tackle. And this may be distasteful to some people, but it's a sort of reality of the game where people accept what it is and they go with it. They know the risk factors. And the way rugby are looking at it is, okay, we'll reduce the risk factors. We'll ramp up awareness. We'll do all we can, but there's still going to be a risk. And so, yeah. will still keep going, people will still play it and people will still watch it.
0: What do you think, Johnny, will be the likely outcome of the lawsuits? And overall, what are the players hoping to achieve by going down this route?
2: What they're trying to achieve going down this route, I think, is a number of things. A, they want compensation. B, and they keep saying this, they want other players to be aware of what can happen. You know, if you've just, if you won a World Cup 15 years ago and you can't remember playing in the World Cup, mm. you know, what does that say to players? What can that tell players? So there's that pretty dramatic awareness that these injured players, they can help the current players. That's one thing. And they, they do point that out all the time. You know, what way is this going to go? I don't know. But they say they're going to go all the way to the high court in the UK. I don't think it'll get to the high court. I think it will be settled. They settled the Ben Robinson case, which is probably the most tragic case. Ben was killed playing for his school, Carrick Fergus. He was hit three, at least three times and went down.
0: I suppose, as a parent, it's just you can't expect anything worse, you know. And uh, we went in to see him. He was on the life support machine. Uh, I suppose I just knew. And I just knew
3: he's not coming out of this. They carried out the test and Ben was pronounced dead.
2: Ben Robinson's family sued the referee, the school, the Ulster branch, the IRFU and World Rugby. So it's not that the IRFU haven't been in a legal case yet because they have, and so have World Rugby, and they settled that case. I imagine this case will be settled. I don't think it'll go to the High Court.
0: You spoke earlier about your passion and love for the sport, but do you have any regrets about your professional career as a rugby player?
1: No, I I sorry, love love rugby. I just wish we knew. I just wish when we saw stars, what that was, mm. and when I had the big KOs, that I had the the adequate rest after, and it just didn't go back playing. Because as I said, the only thing was asked: Do you feel sick? And if you didn't, you were you were put back in there. So, yeah, I just I just wish we knew. The knowledge was there. Punch Drunk has been around in boxing for over 100 years, and that's not for, for rugby to say they didn't know. The knowledge was there in other sports. They brought a three-week step-down after a concussion into rugby in 1977. So they knew that there was something uh, very serious about head impacts and concussions, and that's why they put that in place. For then it to be reduced to six days, or six steps is is ridiculous and they just need to yeah, up the game and uh, protect the current players and future generations
0: and what about your own future what are your hopes for yourself and for your family going forward
1: just uh keep my uh different therapies going and hopefully complete an iron man and just stay stay positive and be me as 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 long as possible and who Who knows what's going to happen in the future with medicine? And yeah, you, you just don't know. You just got to, yeah, take each day as it comes.
0: Thanks so much, Alex, for your time.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: That's all for today. You can read more from Johnny Waterson on the legal action being taken by former players against rugby governing bodies at irishtimes.com. And you can learn more about Alex Popham's foundation, which is working to create safer sports for future generations at headforchange.org.uk. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.